This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. I mean, how real is this phobia? Come on. <laughs> it's pretty real. Who would be scared of jewelry? Yeah. He's pretty oh, um, crazy Dale. about it. Whenever I see Dale at the track, I'm going to have, like, I'm going to look like Mr. T. <laughs> You're gonna wig him out. He's gonna uh-huh. gonna be lined the other way. We're not friends anymore. Yeah, he's be lining. Welcome to Kelly Earnhardt Miller's Fast Lane Family, presented by Wella Professionals, salon care products that you can experience with your senses. Get high performance you can see, touch, and sense. Welcome to Fastlane Family. Today I've got a former junior motorsports family member in the studio, Miss Danica Patrick, who needs no introduction. <laughs> I do, because we're especially because we're on the radio. You need an introduction. Well, you, know, you can't see my face. <laughs> And I don't think my voice is that identifiable. I'm, I'm pretty sure my listeners know who you are. We're I going- mean, it's becoming more Southern as it goes. <laughs> I was uh, texting my girlfriend the other day, and I answered with, yes, ma'am. And then I said, well, it was just in text, but I said, how Southern do I sound? And she goes, do you say y'all? And I said, all the time. <laughs> and I said, when somebody's being silly, I say bless. <laughs> bless your heart. Maybe I say it with or an extra you- twang on it <laughs> to, to be funny, but um, I, uh, I, probably, I probably need some introduction for sure. You're picking up that, if you're picking up that southernness pretty quick, you haven't even lived in the South that long. <laughs> well, yeah, but my boyfriend's from Mississippi, so it's like pretty thick. I, the other night I said, um, I asked if I sounded more Southern and he said, um, no, you just sound normal, whatever that is. And, uh, I, yeah. said, and I said, wink, well, babe, you still sound Southern. And he goes, thank goodness. I need to get more of it back. <laughs> he wants to be more Southern. Yes. <laughs> All right. We've officially kicked off summer, so our well professionals are going to remind us how to get the beach hair look that we all want this time of year. So let's get to it, um, Danica. You, you know, everybody knows that you are a race car driver and all the great things that you've done in racing. But what I want to know and what I want my listeners to learn is what gave you that racing bug as a kid? My dad raced. Um, he raced, uh, at that point in time when we were kids, he was racing, um, midgets. So we would go on Sunday nights to the dirt track and watch the races. And I don't really know if we watched a lot more than, more than anything. We got like 20 bucks and we would go up to the concession stand and get one of everything. You know, a (laughs) snow cone, the long licorice rope and a hot dog and you name it. So, uh, but, and then we'd get all the clay at the very, uh, bottom of the grandstands and make big clay balls with it. But yeah, my dad comes from a racing background and has raced since he was a kid. And um, but then it was really my sister who wanted to do it. So um, she wanted to be number sixty-five, which was the car that my dad worked on at the point in time that she was thinking about racing, and because he was done racing, and um, and I just didn't want to get left out. And your sister was younger than you. Yeah, how, how much younger is she's she? She's two years younger. Two years younger. Almost so exactly. Like yep. So I just thought, well, I, I'll do it too. Sure. And. Um, it just went from there, and, you know, I I took to it. Did your sister race also? She did, yeah. yeah, for a while. Like, maybe, like, a half a season. Yeah. And she she was, I mean, she weighed, like, 45 pounds, <laughs> and she had, like, you know, six inches of metal on her seat to make her make weight, but she'd just fly down the straightaways and then get to the corner, and people were literally driving over the top of her, and she didn't really like that. Oh, so so that, um, that did it for her? In the end, she, <laughs> she met her calling now, but uh, but back then, it was uh, she wanted to race, but I don't think she wanted to get driven over. Yeah. I had the attitude. Didn't want to be that tough. <laughs> in my first year, when I got, if I ever got bumped around, I didn't even like consciously think about it, but I, I remember driving down a little short shoot in this car next to me. I just didn't want him to get by me or be near me. And I just, it was a right hand corner and I just jerked left and hit him. <laughs> so that was my attitude as a kid. 
I wish you're I just going to take them out, right? Yep, that's right. Get them out of the way. Oh, you can't, you can't do that as easily now. Uh, what Problem you're doing is, NASCAR. you race together every single weekend. <laughs> right. and they're going to remember it. Yeah, they're going to pay you back. <laughs> and they're, you're you're going to have bad days, and they're going to make it worse, or you're going to have good days, and they're going to make it bad. Yeah, and yeah. It's just you know, it's fun. It's funny. I think back to the days of you know when it was a lot more bumping and banging, so it seemed. And yeah, um, it just I don't know. It, it just isn't. It isn't appropriate now. I well, don't and there's know. so Why much more that? because there's so much more at stake. Yeah. So I'm thinking about Carson in that realm, and and you know we'll go places, and she'll be like, I'm like Carson, you know you gotta do this and don't do that. And she's like, Mom, I don't know these people. I'm never gonna see these people again. So I'm you know I'm just gonna take care of this the way I want to take care of it if she's racing. But there's not as much at stake. Yeah. In, you know, yeah. In that just type like of in go karting, so, you yeah. see each other at the national yeah. championships like yeah. five times a year. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But in NASCAR, you see each other every weekend yeah. for you know, you know 38, 38 yeah. races. So, yeah. You it, got your crews and you got your cars and all these things that you don't you know that there's millions of dollars there at stake and yeah. all those families and lives there that you know they don't want to be working extra hard if they don't have to. <laughs> yeah, and you know just like when I came into NASCAR from IndyCar, I just love the fact that you know, people couldn't be too aggressive on you because you could just pay them back. And so there's that. Anyway, it's just, I was really aggressive when I was a kid and I, it would be, it would be fun if that was kind of a little bit more appropriate now, but there's a time and a place and it's usually at the end of the race for yeah. up front. So <laughs> eventually I'll get there. All right. So you started in goat carts and I did not know this about you that you dropped out of high school when my dad dropped out of high school too. And he never did go back and get his GED. But I was just curious to know with the importance of talking about kids and staying in school, because I'm dealing with this with Carson, like she has no interest in school right now. And <laughs> it's like, she just does anything to get by in your career. Is there anything that you've come across that you're like, mm, I probably should have, you know, finish school or or did that matter Other at the time than for you not being super smart <laughs> i know you're, you i know you're super smart so that's not the thing i'm like because i don't even use any of that stuff like that's the problem that's the argument problem i have with carson these days is like you know are we really going to talk about us history you know in so our jobs <laughs> i think school and then take it to the next level college and yeah. no you're right you're probably not ever going to talk about that yeah. stuff you're never going to use the math yeah, necessarily not much of it. you're not really gonna use much <laughs> of it but I think what it does teach you until you figure out what you want to do is it teaches you discipline mm -hmm. and time management and um, when you get to college it's the next level of it right because you you don't have to yeah. your parents aren't around what if you don't go to class it's okay but are you gonna do your work school work yeah. are you gonna be ready for the tests and so I think that school does a that's the for me, it feels like that's the big thing with school is discipline, time yeah. management, and just getting something done. And, and so, I, I mean, I, I do think school is, is really important, And it's, but, but for sure, if you don't know what you want to do, you better stay in school and get every educational accolade that you can possibly <laughs> get to try and help you move forward and have more opportunities till you figure out your way. Yeah. And these days, they say that, you know, people aren't getting the jobs in the majors and stuff that they're doing, but still everybody's looking to see if you're, you know, going to college and you've got a four-year degree. And those are, that's a lot of experience basis for getting jobs. You know, it's just that you have the education behind you. So well, I think, I think it's you wanna, different, you know. If you want to earn a good spot right off the bat, you probably <laughs> you need, need some, <laughs> some sort of education, something to say that I really want to be here. I really am ready to work yeah. hard. And, you know, but I mean, I guess in my situation for racing, I mean, I dropped out of high school for the bottom of the barrel lowest formula of racing. It's not like I jumped into a great, you know, yeah. it wasn't like I 
took off and went into a great ride. Like I had to start from the bottom up. And I think that a lot of times you can see that good success story with somebody that started at one job and they started as sweeping the floors and all of a sudden then they're a crew chief. You know what I mean? Yep, so yep. You know, I, I started from the bottom. So. so that was the influence in you dropping out of school was when you went to go to England and race. Yeah. Yep, I at um, sixteen. Yeah, I uh, I'm when I was fourteen, I was I went to Indianapolis Motor Speedway and uh, was just there to watch practice and stuff. And you know, always been a fan of of IndyCar and the Indy Five Hundred and um and my dad for sure. I think we always tend to follow <laughs> what our family does, right? And uh, <laughs> so uh, so we were at Indy, and I remember just talking to this guy that was from England, and he was telling me about all the racing over there, and that I could learn more in one year over there than five years over here. And I thought, well, that that sure sounds like a good idea for racing. And two years later, um, the, him and the, the company or the family that he worked for contacted my dad and I and asked if we would come down for a meeting uh, again during the Indy 500 month. And we went down there. Almost didn't go. It was like pouring with rain, four-hour drive each way. Nah, what, what's this really for? But we ended up going. And uh, and then that's when the opportunity to go to England came up. And so later that year, I... I um, Actually, probably in the summer, I went over there and tested a car, and then I went back at the end of the year for uh, what was a winter series, um, which is just, uh, they changed that a lot in England. Sometimes it was one race, sometimes it was four races, but anyway, I went for the winter series, and um, and then the next year went mm, went full-time, so it was, uh, it went pretty fast when it happened, but, um, you know, taking that chance and, and knowing what I wanted to do and going back to the school thing, I, I always wanted to be a race car driver. Uh, and, and then when I left school, I went, okay, now I have to be a race car <laughs> yeah, driver. <for> real. <laughs> like I've really taken the leap here. So, uh, but it all worked out. So you went to England and I was thinking you answered the question of what your parents role in that. So they were along in the discussions and the decisions of, yeah. of doing that. My parents really just had the perspective that it was, it was going to be a lot more sad if I didn't have the opportunity I mean, I think they cry. I think my mom probably cried herself to sleep most nights, but um, I'm sure my dad did too because he's actually uh, quite the softy. Um, so I know it was hard for them, um, but it's why I am where I am today. Yeah, that'd be an interesting perspective to talk to uh, parents today of some of these young racers that are coming through because the the kids at Carson School that race, uh, Todd Gilliland, and there's a few yeah. others, um, yep. their moms are like, well, hey, you know, they've got to have a certain grade for school and, and go through school. But if given the opportunity to do something like that, it'd be interesting to see what their perspective is. To, yeah, for sure. Because that balance today is like they're they're trying to balance it all instead of making that leap to uh I think Just we all it. have to be so much more today. I think this day yeah, and age, yeah. we all have to be able to be and do everything and it's really hard yeah it is <laughs> all right so I'm gonna jump over just I don't want to talk about the same things that you always get to talk about so I'm gonna jump over to NASCAR first off can you will you talk more about your decision to move from Indy to NASCAR yeah well I had always been a little bit curious I can remember back in the early years even of IndyCar and the race would you know come to Phoenix at the end of the year and IndyCar season was over with and you know go down to the track and I remember joking around and putting a foot in a car like I was gonna hop in and photographers are there and it was funny and you know but what was what was I thought cool about all that was that people really seemed to receive me well and it wasn't like I was being blown off and they were like no really we that'd be really cool if she came here and did that and so 
that was I think that was way back like in 2006 so you know fast forward you know quite a few years later was when it really happened and and thank you because you were a part of that of being able to make that happen to be able to drive for you and um, and Dale and and um, and really get get going in NASCAR um, but uh, it was I, I felt like I felt like I had kind of stopped loving uh, the direction that IndyCar had gone, at least with the schedule. I really figured out that I really loved oval racing, um, which I'd never done anything of because I raced road course, go-kart stuff. And then in England, it was all road courses. And, and I remember being over in England and there was an oval built. I think it's called Rockingham. And I, rem and I remember saying, well, you know hell's frozen over when there's an oval in England. So <laughs> I thought NASCAR is going to make it. And uh, so um, <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> so uh, you know, I just, I really felt like I really loved oval racing and there, it went from being all ovals and three road courses when I first started in, in IndyCar and then it got to majority road courses. And, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I didn't do quite as well. I mean, actually my finishes were probably just as good, but like qualifying was a struggle and I just, I don't know. It just wasn't, just wasn't as happy and it wasn't as fun and um you know road courses are very much about racing against yourself i feel like and ovals are more about racing against everyone else now i'd say that maybe you know stock cars are a little bit different because they're we're a lot slower but um and we can kind of you know obviously we can bump and bang and you know when you increase your braking zones by as much as it takes to get the you know stock car stop versus an indy car you increase opportunity for overtaking so um indy cars they just are, they just perform really well so you know i felt like it was just racing against yourself and and then I got the opportunity to drive a stock car, and I thought, you know what, I really, I'm really ready for a change. And um, I remember the first time I went to <laughs> Orlando, I think it was, with Tony Uri Jr. and uh, driving your car. And I remember taking off out of pit lane and thinking, I'm home. This is awesome. <laughs> and uh, and 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 as a comparison, um, I remember hearing what Dario Franchitti said when he took off for the first time in a stock car and he thought, what am I doing? And I thought just the opposite. So, um, I just really, I feel comfortable and at home in a stock car. I feel like it's back to grassroots of like the kind of people I'm used to, was used to growing up with and the style of racing. And, you know, it's, uh, it's for sure a lot more work. It's, uh, both on track, of course, with so many more events, but off track too. I mean, I, I have only learned more and more every year how involved you have to be to be able to make it work and do a good job and walk around the shop and, and really like just be a part of it even if it's just showing your face to really getting into it and having serious meetings and it's just a lot of work but uh, but I think that just shows how much I like it because I'm happy to do it. Yeah, when we were talking about having you on and Mike Davis was uh, recalling testing down with you in Daytona and just how... <laughs> I mean, he basically said he has not met another driver that is as determined to do it as you were. Oh. And he talked about just, you know, you getting up and exercising and that just all, it was like fitness, testing the car, you know, eating good, fitness, testing the car, go to bed, <laughs> get up, do it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he's like, man, this girl wants it. So that, that was really cool to, to speak to that. It's nice to hear. So looking back, do you feel that the two partial seasons that you did here in junior motorsports... I'm in the full season, you know, did that prepare you enough for cup? Um, now that you've been, you know, this is your third yeah, year. In the cup well, series? I mean, I can remember when I first did nationwide stuff before it was decided whether or not it was going to go cup full time or nationwide full time. And everyone said, you better make sure you do a year of nationwide. And I thought, mm, 
really. <laughs> and But I listened, and I'm really glad I did because I think it prepared me better than my plan was going to be, which was jumping right into cups. So I don't I don't know. I don't think you can ever – I mean, if I would have just done more years in Nationwide, it would have only just helped more, you right. know. Um, but there's a certain point in time when you have to move on, and GoDaddy was very patient and waiting for me and, and doing full-time Nationwide before cups. So um, I, uh, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I listened to people, <laughs> and um, I, 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 I would have uh, – fallen harder if I would have tried to jump right into cup and shoot I can remember that first full-time nationwide year doing the 10 cup races and I can remember going to going to Darlington that was my first real like race outside of Daytona and I sucked I mean I was like I could not keep up in practice laps it was terrible I was so far back and I remember being overjoyed that I didn't qualify last I was like <laughs> man I went a second quicker than practice and um, the little things. yeah I would have qualified legitimate I didn't need points today and it was definitely hard and uh and by all means I'm gonna go back to tell back to Darlington and it's probably gonna be the same scenario it's so fast and furious and cup cup practice is so hard it's so fast and but anyway i i'm uh yes it prepared me for cup but i could have taken even more of it <laughs> so one of the things that when you came to to race at junior motorsports and you know it was the whole female aspect and you know we've got a female driver in the nationwide series and we hadn't had one in quite some time and and a female owner here at junior motorsports and when i think about that from my perspective and i just had this situation come up over the weekend that even made me think about this more so i'm the chairperson on a community bank here in mooresville and chairman of the board and i was talking to a banker camping we were camping over the weekend and glamping camping glamping we okay. were glamping we okay. <laughs> 40 okay. foot fifth wheel <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, bunk beds yeah it's glamping <laughs> um and we were just talking and he said he worked for a bank and i was like oh you know i'm the chairperson for blue harbor bank the community bank in mooresville he said so just how did you get to be the chairperson of a community bank and if my first reaction was like, well, do I not look smart enough or do I not like experienced enough? Cause like, I know I'm young and I was talking to an older man and in banking, it seems like everybody's older. And so I was just, I was at a bank meeting last night and I was telling one of the board members about that. And, and his first thought was it was because I was a girl. And he's like, that just shows the amount of confidence that you have because you didn't think automatically that was the female angle he was going after. It was the experience thing. You know, mm-hmm. my, my mind went to experience. I go back and forth on the whole female thing because I think it's important to notate and to be different. But at the same time, we want to be like everybody else. And in my job, I don't think about being a female. I'm just like a business owner, car owner, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so uh, I'm just curious about your perspective. I've heard you talk about it before, but it's it's a fence that I sit on about sometimes which way to Go. feel about it yeah um, to feel about it and and probably circumstantial you know in in a lot of ways of you know, get asked to do a lot of things and talk to a lot of women's groups and kids and girls and all this kind of stuff you know so well curious. i mean i think that in racing it is super unique still yeah. you know I, there's still not a lot of it but i don't shy away from it because i understand it's what has helped me get to where i am today um but you know if i don't have good days on track then it doesn't keep going so I always notice that like the media will fade away and all of a sudden it seems really sad and nobody wants to talk to me and then all of a sudden, bam, you have a good day and then they're back again. <laughs> and so it's that that really keeps propelling it. Um, so, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't 
I don't use it as an excuse or I don't ever try and compare myself to other women as to what they've done. I try and use it for the positive, like, you know, inspiring little kids and stuff like that. I, I think that all boys can too, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, sometimes they relate to like a little girl might relate to another girl better. So I don't know. I'm with you. I don't necessarily. Well, because it's hard, right? Because we've never been anyone else. Yeah, so right. What does it feel like <laughs> right. to be a dude? Right. I don't know, you right. know. So it's really hard for me to have a big opinion about yeah. it or know how it's different because I've never been anyone else. Yeah. So um, I, I would say that, you know, growing up, my dad never compared me to other girls. Well, there really wasn't any, so <laughs> um, it's pretty easy to not compare me to girls. But, uh, you know, he always was pushing for me to just be the best. So I guess that's the perspective I take on everything is how do you become the best at it? And it's really genderless. Yeah. Um, so we tend to set our own, I feel like we tend to set our own expectation levels sometimes for what we are looking for or hope for when they can be even bigger and better. You know, yeah. why not more? Why not be the best? All right. So real brief on this year's season, you're having a great season so far, 18th in the points, right on the bubble of the chase there. What do you and your team uh, need to work on to, to keep that consistency and then just we need to get a little faster. bit better? <laughs> we need to get faster. Um, we had a pretty nice start to the year really yeah. I was pleased the end of last year I started working with Daniel my crew chief and you know we did the last three races and they were a struggle very much so and uh, then we started the season off and things were you know I always feel like if, if you can like in cup if you can get in the top 20 in practice then you get a little bit better and all of a sudden you're 12th you know what I mean it's just so tight and then you just start working towards that being consistent and all of a sudden you are a little bit better than that and then you're like one of the quickest cars so it's it's so much more attainable from there but um we started off the year kind of like that where there was a lot of hope and we just need to get a little bit better here and there we just got to make that one really good change in practice it, just one of them like just take one step forward that doesn't hurt us somewhere else on the track and and then we're in the ballpark and work on qualifying just a little bit and in the race we start off really well and there were a lot of times we'd be in the top 10 or 15 and then um and then all of a sudden you know we'd make a change and we'd go backwards and shoot we'd lose a lap maybe we'd get it back and so we kind of lost our way in the race and that's how our season started was like within reach needing to figure out him needing to figure out what I was saying me needing to, to be good communicator with him and having more conversations so that he could understand what I was wanting more um, and uh, and then I'd say in the last few weeks the last month we've it's just been a little bit of a struggle we got you know, we had a good little streak where it was, uh, you know, a couple of top tens and things were going good. And then it was just like we just started this little struggle period. And we just have to figure out how to overcome that and get back in the ballpark again and just, you know, just get up into that top 20 because you can, you can work <laughs> you can, from there. But, yeah. you know, when you're 30th, it's uh, there's you're not in the ballpark anymore. So <laughs> um, but I, I would say that, you know, I'm a approaching this year different than any other year and trying to communicate more with him directly about anything and everything that I'm feeling, whether it's, you know, whether it's um, the car, questions I have about it, attitude, you name it. It's it's like about direct contact instead of going to someone else and saying, I don't think this is going well. What do we talk to him? You know, it's more direct. And so I'm just you know, trying to trying to come at it from another direction, trying to get better, be better, and um, and fast forward through our learning curve and and get our communication going better, faster. 
How much do you still rely on other drivers and stuff for advice um, in your third year now? You know, as time goes on, I feel like I tend to have a better awareness for the things to think about and look for. Um, And then it just gets like, to the point where I feel like "Mm, I need some help. I don't even, I might even know this answer. I don't care. I'm just going to start asking questions again. And so, you know, I, I was uh, laughing and saying, you know, talking about this the other day that you can never be too proud. Uh, I've been, you know, 24 years of racing and Lord knows I should know what I'm doing by this point in time, but I still ask questions. Even if sometimes I feel like I know the answer or, um, or don't, you know, just, I just ask the questions because they might tell me something I didn't even think about. Exactly. Yep. Good. That's good. That's good advice for anybody. So timeline for your 2016 plans uh, since GoDaddy announced that they weren't going to be coming back um, as a sponsor. They're gonna, mm-hmm. still going to be supporting you. Um, what's your timeline there for figuring all that out? Now. Now. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> you know, I, as a, I mean, as a driver, you want to know where you're going to be and what you're going to be doing and who you're going to be doing it with. And um, Stuart Haas has been a, a, a great team and they've believed in me from the beginning. So, um, you know, hopefully we can figure that out sooner than later. You know, I, I, I mean, GoDaddy was a, it was a great run and um, hopefully, hopefully some other company out there sees what has been done with you know, my sponsors that I've had and GoDaddy and and any other company. And, you know, my relationships with sponsors tend to last a pretty long time. Like I'd say they, you know, there's a lot of them that have been going on for 10 years. And so, uh, it's, it's tend to have really good relationships and, and it works both ways very well. So hopefully there's a company out there that sees that and wants to, um, jump in with both feet and, um, be my new primary. I think that's where the uniqueness of being a female is is a definite plus right yeah because it opens the doors to a lot more companies out there and some of those fortune 500 companies that wouldn't otherwise you know even think about it well it's it's um you know there's the car and and so then they buy that but then there's the uniqueness of who i am which you know when things that are good uh, happen that gets quite a bit of attention and then um, you know, then there's the, the marketing where, you know, my brand is, is becoming more well-known every year. And, um, so it's about, uh, being able to deliver all those things. So, uh, and most importantly for a company, it's about ROI. If they can't figure out a way to create that, um, then it doesn't continue. So, you know, and I've had a few of those sponsors that tend to not invest enough in the in the relationship to use my platform and use me. And, you know, I am, uh, a tool, but it goes beyond that and goes into marketing and advertising. And I guess in general, the racing tends to be the bonus, right? Yeah, they get on yeah. the car and then they do their marketing and, <clears throat> and, um, and then the, the good days on track are like the bonus that are intangibles that you can't ever count on. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll figure it out. Definitely how we sell ourselves here at Junior Motorsports is a marketing company. And then we just happen to have, this is an asset, you know, the cars I'm sitting here pointing to our race shop. They can't mm, see yep. us. <laughs> These cars on the track are, are just one asset of that uh, marketability. All right. So let's switch from racing to some fun stuff. Fashionista that you are. <laughs> um, what's one thing in your closet that you can't do without fashion wise? Um, one thing I can't do without. I mean, I have jeans, a lot of jeans, (laughs) and I love colored jeans, actually. A lot of, uh, like, if you just have a T-shirt and you just throw a pair of jeans on with it, it, if they have color, if they're red or blue or, you know, something different, then it tends to make the whole outfit. So you don't, 
you know, I like, I suppose, colored jeans. Have to spend too much time putting it all together. <laughs> my um, go-to is my Invisibelt. Um, do you have one of those clear Invisibelts from Lavender? No. no. So it's just huh. this little clear yeah. belt. And it, it is adjustable, and it just clips in the front. Um, oh. Because I have the... Uh, hip thigh is not proportionate to my waist I have a really small waist compared to that so all of my pants are too big so I have to wear a belt almost every day girl I don't and, have um, that problem <laughs> my waist is the disproportionate one I'm like you know if it fits my butt and my legs it's usually pretty tight on my waist <laughs> I'm a cylinder. I'm a cylinder. So, so that's funny because, you know, everybody thinks, well, the smaller you are, it just must be so easy to shop and find clothes. But it does not matter your body type. Everybody has an issue of something I mean, that doesn't I've work, had, right? I have to learn how to sew so that I yeah. can hem my jeans. Yeah, I know? want to talk about sewing. So is that yeah. why you learned how to sew? <laughs> yeah, it actually is. I get sick of, um, I'm curious anyway. I'd say that I'm fairly artsy. And so, uh, you know, sewing is one of those things. And um, I've made shirts and different things and um uh, Anyway, uh, but, but hemming jeans is a super clutch thing when you're short. Yes. I had that issue with Carson. I bought a sewing machine when she was about 18 months old. I never learned to operate it, but we would always have to buy, I mean, I would have to like four inches off of her jeans at 18 months old. She was just a shorty. So Aww. she, she still has that issue today. We can never <laughs> find the jeans. We have to always have them. So she's got you. that issue too. She's learned, she's into sewing. So oh, maybe really? that, she, yeah, she's not sewing her own jeans though, but she sewed me the cutest iPad cover out of fabric oh, really? that I could put my iPad in for Mother's Day. So oh, jeans really are super easy. Yeah. You just send her on over and we'll, <laughs> we'll have a, we'll have a jeans hemming session. Well, I know she'd love to come sew with you. That's for sure. <laughs> so do you shop online or do you get to shop um, I like to shop in person. Yeah, in person. Yep. The only stuff I get online is the stuff I can't get in person. Yeah. So, um, I but I love to touch it and try it on and look at it and I don't know. It, it's things look different in person oh, than yeah. they do. And and I just like to shop. So <laughs> when you go shop on, like for me, I feel like shopping online. If that's all you did, means that you don't like to go shopping. <laughs> I like to shop. I just never have time to go in the stores without that's part three rugrats behind me. <laughs> that's also part of it. And that's hard. Shopping online can be fun because it's like, oh, my God, I just bought all that. <laughs> that just happened. You know, you're like, click, click, basket, yeah, basket, right. basket, go. Yes. Then your basket's like, oh, you've got 12 items in your basket. You're like, what? Uh, oh. oh, well. <laughs> this could be a problem. you got yeah. one in every color. All right. You recently did um, Catwalk And I calls. hate waiting for it, too. You, you hate waiting. <sighs> I want it. You now. like get the next day shipping if you. When somebody's like, I can order that for you. I'm like, I'm an instant gratification shopper. If you don't have this right now, then I'm not. I'm not get getting it. it. Okay, sorry. Is there anything you can wait on? No. no, no. I'm pretty impatient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, catwalk for a cause. You recently walked in. That was awesome to combine your love of fashion and then a good cause there. Your little girl. She seemed. All the little kids seemed shy. They were pretty shy. Once they and got I out on the runway. Part of it is, well, they've probably never done something like yeah. that before. Yeah. Uh, another part of it is, is that we just meet them that right then. Yeah. You know, we meet them. I mean, we saw, um, we meet the little little kids probably, you know, maybe a half an hour to an hour before we walk down the yeah. runway. So not that much time. I mean, you have to be a pretty outgoing kid to, um, you know, feel comfortable yeah. with a stranger. So, <laughs> uh, but it was, uh, we had enough time to kind of come up with a couple little cute things to do on the on the runway with our little pose at yeah, the end of the runway awesome. and our little like you know look over our shoulder halfway <laughs> back down the runway so it was fun but she was she's a little bit shy have you done any real runway work 
<laughs> well, given my five foot one. Why are you laughing? Five foot one and a half stature. Um, well, I, uh, two things. I, you can I, put on shoes to accommodate that. Yeah, I um, I, I did walk down a runway for, this was a really long time ago. It was for, um, uh, it was during Fashion Week in New York. It was where everyone wears the, it was called like the red dress. It was, uh, I think it was for, uh, maybe it's a heart, heart association. Heart association. Yep, yep. Yeah. And um, so I, I did walk down a runway in a red dress for that. And then I remember having to learn how to like catwalk walk for GoDaddy for a Super Bowl commercial one time and it was with the Pussycat Dolls and I think Robin Anton was trying to teach me how to do it. She was like started that and um, I sucked. <laughs> I just couldn't get it down and I thought surely I should be able to just strut, right? No, it's not that easy. <laughs> I mean, these these it's runway not. models, uh, you got to give it to them. They, they, no, they, they can do it. Yeah, they, it's they not as it. quite as easy as it what it looks like. No. Um, Teresa put me in classes when I was a teenager to do that. And I just never, it was just never my thing. I had to walk don't. upstairs yeah. and the right way and walk downstairs the right way. And Oh, was that like an so, etiquette sort of thing? It was sort was of called? like etiquette slash modeling. It was at a modeling place, but oh. it was a whole class of all types of things. Mm. So, yeah, you love to cook. And I, I like to um, check out these things that you're cooking when you post them on social media I'm in awe at just the fact that you just pull random stuff out of your cabinet and make something that looks yeah. really good um, <laughs> does it taste really good <laughs> it does taste really good yeah you know there's a couple tricks uh I think that if there were like a few things that you had to have in your kitchen to put into stuff to make it good it would be bacon bacon apples and onions probably and then I always put something green in so just something green like last night I totally wanted comfort food and I did not want to cook so there was some leftover like two leftover burgers like hamburgers and then there was some leftover like out of a bag tater tots that um, were like kind of hash brown tater tots it was for one of the days when we had like 10 people over and uh, yes. Ricky got those in case I didn't want to cut potatoes and roast them <laughs> in the oven because they take forever. And sure enough, I just didn't feel like doing it. So he threw those. So I took those and I put them in a pan, got them all toasted up. And then um, I took a bunch of spinach and I just chopped it. So it's like in straight lines, kind of like you would do with basil, I guess, mm -hmm. if you were going to put it on top of a pizza. And so I put the tater tot stuff down and then I put the, the spinach. I didn't even put dressing on it. I just threw it on. I thought maybe I should do something. With no, just put it on. And then I put the burger on top and I put uh, some mozzarella cheese on that and then I put ketchup and then I put some uh, pickles on top of it and I was like <laughs> that was dinner and it was like kind of like a deconstructed burger and fries type. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly and it was delicious and then we went to go eat banana bread because I made banana bread the other day and um, it was gone and there was uh, a plastic bag that was in our bedroom uh, that was sort of eaten apart and Ricky uh -oh. was like, Dallas must have found a plastic bag. And then when I went to go get the banana bread, I went, I think she ate the banana bread. <laughs> so when I went, when we went back to bed, I was down on the carpet and I'm like, yep, it's banana yeah. bread. Like there was crumbs all over. <laughs> so she had three pieces of banana bread, that little chubs. Does she get on the counters and just get she, things off? Wherever? She can get anywhere she wants. She doesn't jump up on the counter really, but she can. And yeah. she has. But like she could jump over anything she can I mean she's just she's super athletic and I never have had a dog that tall before and she's only 30 pounds she's a miniature Siberian husky but she just she can really get anywhere she wants to get <laughs> so I've never had a dog so athletic or tall I'm used to like <laughs> miniature schnauzers and 
things like that that are just like really meek and like I just want to come back inside. Dallas is like, I just want to go find a turkey. <laughs> I'm interested in rambunctious. Yeah, she is. Yeah, I think Dale and Amy are dealing with that with Gus. Oh, um, my the gosh, The whole puppy Gus. thing because Killer was so laid back. And you, yeah. I mean, sometimes you wondered if he was even in the room. I left him in my car several times bringing him to work. Because he was so quiet. Because he was so quiet. You know, and I get out of my car, I'm like, oh, wait, I forgot Killer. <laughs> Not Gus. Yeah. <laughs> he lets you know that he's here. Well, he's around. I don't know where Gus likes to sit in the car, but... Dallas loves car rides, and, and I don't know if it's maybe because since she was a puppy, That's she's been in cars and airplanes from the very beginning, um, but she loves cars, and um, she sits on top of the center console. Like, I have a Chevy Tahoe, and there's a big center console in it. She sits on top of that. No matter, I mean, like, we're going around, you know, these yeah. back roads in Mooresville, yeah. there's no straight road around. She's and gotten she's, where she can she, get, she gets her butt <laughs> up against my shoulder, and she's, she's hanging on for dear life, but that's where she likes to be. Where does Gus like to be? I think he just rides as much as I've seen just right in the front seat. So Dale probably wouldn't let him ride there. He would probably like shoo him off back into the seat just because that would probably get on his nerves. Does uh, I've seen him one time. Gus in the car, have a collar. So. Gus has a collar. Yeah, it's blue. Would that be considered jewelry? Well, <laughs> funny you ask because I said to Amy I, when they first got him, I was like, are y'all going to get him a name tag? Because I remember Killer running out of the racetrack several times. And uh, she said, yeah, I'm waiting on one that, that rivets onto the collar so that it doesn't dangle like jewelry. So Gosh. he has a metal um, nameplate that rivets to his collar. I mean, how real is this phobia? Come on. <laughs> it's pretty real. I think we were talking about that at dinner after the catwalk. I, it's not my fault. I remember nothing about running the after him with torturing him with jewelry. I don't even think I, I mean, had jewelry then. <laughs> Who would be scared of jewelry? Yeah. I, I mean, unless it. it had, like, spikes on it and you were using it for, like, physical, like, pain torture. Yeah. He's pretty um, oh, crazy Dale. about it. Like, this necklace I have on today, like, if he were going to come to the office, I would probably take it off and lay it on my desk because See, it would just... I think you're enabling. Wig him out. You just wear it. I know. That's what Amy says. Yes. We both talk about, like, she gets in the car. <laughs> she she traded cars not too long ago, and they came to pick it up, and they were, like, looking through the console, make sure everything, and there was all this jewelry in the console. Just taking it off. <laughs> she was like, taking oh, it shoot. off. <laughs> I think coming home, it. taking it off, leaving it in the car. I'll tell you what, <laughs> whenever I see Dale at the track, I'm going to have like, I'm going to look like Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to wig him out. He's going to, he's going to be lined the other no, way. We're not friends anymore. Yeah. He's be lining. All right. So you're pretty physically fit. What do you do to stay fit and work out? Bicep curl. What's your favorite thing? Bicep curl. Bicep curl. Food. Food. <laughs> no. <laughs> CrossFit. You've been you've been into CrossFit. I lately, do CrossFit. Right? Yep, I've been doing that for a couple of years now, and I really like that. It's super hard. The workouts. Whenever you involve competition into anything, it gets nasty. So um, I uh, I'm very competitive. So uh, yeah, I'm and I. It's a good mental discipline too, because some of the stuff you're doing is extremely painful, and you don't think you can keep going on, but the will has to overcome the pain, and so it's a good practice. <laughs> So uh, I do CrossFit, and um, I've recently taken up uh, a lot of walking uh, with Dallas because she needs her physical activity, and so there's trails all around the property, so um, I go and take her for, like, you know, anywhere from, like, 30 to 30 minutes to an hour, I'll take her for a walk, and her walking pace is my running pace, and her running, and my running pace is, like, I mean, it, I, I went running with her one time, and she managed to always stay as far ahead as when she, when we're walking even so she's just so fast 
And so to keep up with Dallas, you have to, like, hoof it. Um, So, And she still runs ahead, stops, waits for me because she's trained. She knows she's going to get the electric collar little buzz if she doesn't stop and wait until she can see me and then take off again and then stop and wait for me (laughs) and then take off again. So um, she, you know, a lot of walking. And I've recently started doing yoga again more. I did it for a long time when I was younger. It was really running and yoga was really some of my only form of working out, maybe a little bit of weightlifting here and there. So I've, I've decided that I want to be able to do pretty much everything that any yogi can because <laughs> that's just how I am. I want to be able to do it. Do it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, Except for I'm not flexible enough, so that's the problem. So I have to work on that. You're not flexible enough for yoga? No. no. Oh, my gosh. Have you seen some of the stuff those people can do? Yeah. <laughs> There's stuff I've never work seen before until, like, now in this day and age of social media. Like, you would have had to have gone to the most elite class that you to could see, possibly find. Right. Probably only find them in, like, New York and L.A. and, like, downtown, like, big cities where it's, you know, the some of the better teachers maybe are. So, uh, yeah, it's it's some of the stuff is really hard. Like, the fact that they can just handstands, purely just balancing and handstands. I for today I kicked up from like down dog and I bent my knees and kicked up with both legs into handstand and held it and I was like check me out oh, wait no one's here <laughs> I'm doing it I'm doing it um like that's that's just simple stuff that's really hard so whether it be balancing or flexibility but their ability to be able to like stand with their hands and feet like their hands down and their feet right behind them and they don't kick up they just their feet just levitate and go up in a handstand I'm like they'll have to put no power behind it God, no no power <laughs> except it's extremely hard like I've done it from headstand, but I can't do it from handstand. No way. Oh gosh. We'll check in with you in about six months and see if you've mastered it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I need at least that. <laughs> you and Ricky, what do you guys do outside of racing for fun? Well, outside of racing for fun, Ricky watches racing on TV <laughs> and on his computer. <laughs> Let me start that over. He watches racing on his computer mostly and sometimes on TV. <laughs> yeah, I see that on, on um, Twitter. <laughs> yes, he's always watching... Uh, I motocross and the dirty racing. Yep. Yep. Yes. He's always watching that on his computer. But outside of that, I mean, um, you know, the other day we built a table and benches on our our patio. We didn't have anywhere to sit because we just know we need to redo our backyard. So we just haven't really invested into a bunch of stuff. And so we made that because our both of our parents were coming for the, you know, Charlotte weeks. So that was that was pretty easy. So we like to do that kind of stuff for fun. And uh, I mean, we like to go work out and, you know, uh, hang out with Dallas and hang out with our friends and have our family over or go see our family. And every now and again, I can talk them into a vacation. So (laughs) yeah, but it's fairly domestic stuff. How do you guys um, coordinate your schedules? Is that real important for you guys to, because you're obviously you're the track, but you're both off in your own direction, but during the week with, you know, other obligations. You know, I think that we do try for sure. And there's just some stuff that comes up that, you know, you, it just comes up. Um, there's, uh, Sometimes when he's busy, I'll just like shoot on off to one of my houses or leave for the week or something like that. So uh, I kind of take the opportunities when he's busy to go see some of my friends and and do some other stuff. But what's he do when you're busy? Uh, what's he do when I'm busy? <laughs> Watch racing. Honestly, on TV. he goes. Yeah, he goes over. He usually just goes over to Aaron and Kelly's, um, which is our friends who uh, he lived with them for a couple of years because he yeah. can't. He doesn't cook for himself, so he goes over and eats dinner at their house every night. <laughs> Yes, that's what he does. Oh, he's he's pretty um, low maintenance. It if I like. hadn't come along, I'm gonna guarantee you he'd, he'd still, still live be living in Aaron there. Kelly's. <laughs> I'm like, babe, 
We can, I can say a lot. Of, I can I'm think like, of a lot of things for Dale the same way. If Amy wouldn't have come along, like, yeah, uh-huh. we'd still be taking him pizza and wings for lunch. So mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, yeah, babe, you're a 27 year old millionaire. <laughs> I think you should probably go ahead and just step on out and get a house. Oh gosh, I would always laugh in Aaron and Kelly's house. I'm like, you know, the two of us are living there and like for nothing and. <laughs> Like, is this uncomfortable at all? Like, do you think this is super weird? Because I do. Yeah, I was going to say for you, because you have a couple houses in different yeah. places. And like, how lived on your own since you were 16. Exactly. I'm like, this is not, yeah, I'm going to need some space. I need a closet, something, something serious. Oh, gosh, that's funny. Favorite thing to indulge in? Wine. Wine. <laughs> yeah. I, when I wrote that down, I was wondering if you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably my favorite thing. I don't really like all types of wine. Food. I more than anything, it's like yeah, a few, few glasses of wine. I like. I mean, I like red the most, but um, but I'll drink most any kind. I I don't really totally love cheap wine. Um, I got a <laughs> bit of a taste for good wine. Um, and life's too short to not drink good wine. And life's too short to not drink good wine because I got a, I've got a fridge full of it, and I've got a cellar full of it in Arizona, and wine cooler full of it in Chicago. So I've I've got a lot of it. So am I wine wherever you go. That's right. That's right. You mentioned social media earlier. Um, what's your favorite social media app? How do you feel about social media? Well, I've had Twitter since 2009, and I have I have you know a good following on that, but. I actually love Instagram. That's what a lot of people are saying. Because it's pictures. It's just easy. And even on Twitter, I want to see the pictures. So, yeah, unfortunately, I don't end up, I don't post all that much stuff on Twitter exactly. I tend to just, just look at all Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The uh, thing with pictures is you get a visual. You see yeah. what's going on. There's You don't have any really room to, you know, make your own stories up. And I don't know if you probably have kind of been in this scenario or your whole life probably, but in our, in a, I think if I would have established myself on social media as being opinionated, then I could be, but I never have been, so I don't get to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I should have just been myself from the start, yeah, yeah. but you tend to make a lot of people mad and you tend to alienate certain people or certain fans or certain things. Maybe it's even about liking a certain brand or a company. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, this other brand was going to look, you know, sponsor you. Right. Of course <laughs> you said on social media that you like that. So, you know, it's about, you know, there's just so many ways to screw oh, things yeah. up when you say things. Yes. So with a picture, it's hard to totally screw things up. So that's one of the reasons that we were glad Dale wasn't on Twitter. Cause it's, yeah, you know, I mean, he, he is so honest and just says what's in his heart. I think Twitter has been um, a great thing for Junior. It has been. I feel like he is so much more relatable. Yeah. Even to me, and I know him, Mm -hmm. you know, but just having an opinion about stuff, and I think he's done it right from the start. He, you know. It's just organic. Yeah. He, you know, know, answers their questions and engages a lot. That's also another thing I don't do. I don't engage a ton with the fans because I've had scenarios where they, you know, Maybe they'll just be sending me messages all the time, and it's overwhelming. And or you or you don't answer these other people, and then they get mad. And they're like, "Oh well, she only answers certain people." And it's like, "How about I just don't do any of it? What if I what if I want to do a bunch of questions with somebody, and then all of a sudden I don't do it for a while, and people are like, what happened? To you where'd you go? Why yeah. aren't you answering our questions anymore?" So, gosh, it's just stressful. There's enough crap going on in my life. I don't need to like create more expectation levels. It's funny because Kenny Wallace, I think he does Twitter so well. His, well, his personality, I mean, he, he wears my timeline out, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, I hear um, <laughs> But he, he is such a likable person, and so his responses to people that put him in that position that you're just talking about, he can get away with. Yeah, but, well, because he's always certain, been like that. Right, it's and just, certain people, yeah. 
I get it. Yeah. I should have done it from the beginning. I should have been opinionated. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fun. I um, really appreciate you coming and, and doing this with me and being on Fast Lane Family. Yeah. Very fun. All right. It's time now for our tip of the week brought to you by Wella Professionals. Ever wonder how to get the beach hair look? Well, our Wella Professionals have given us the simple steps to achieve that style. Now, you were talking a couple weeks ago. You've been working with the beach spray, right? Yeah. I'm getting better at it, too. <laughs> and I finally remember uh, remembered in that tip that we're getting ready to talk about that. <laughs> You dampen your hair. You got to get some of that wetness out because I was just like scrunching. Yeah, straight just, out of the yeah. shower. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't do it. It was totally a wet. Okay. So the tools that you're going to need are sectioning clips, round brush, flat brush, and a blow dryer. While the hair is wet, prep your hair with the Wella Professional Velvet Amplifier Style Primer, which we, we talk about a lot in our tips. That's something uh, very handy to have uh, so that you can get your hair ready for all the other styling products. Start blow drying. This is your tip, Amanda. Start blow drying the hair so that it feels damp rather than wet and use your flat brush. Then apply the Wella Professionals Ocean Spritz with your hands. Scrunch your hair to add the body and texture. Finish with a dime-sized portion of Texture Touch reworkable clay and define the ends to give that a matte finish. This will help recreate that ocean sun-kissed look. If you would like to purchase the Wella products in today's tip, you can visit any of the 782 Ulta stores nationwide, and you can purchase online at Ulta.com. Thank you for joining me for this week's Fast Fame Family. Had a lot of fun catching up with Danica and talking some things non-racing. Be sure to tune in for next week. I am going to be on vacation, and we're going to have a surprise host. You will want to make sure that you listen up for that. Fastlane Family has been brought to you by Wella Professional Hair Care, multi-sensorial hair care products that you will see, touch, and sense the difference from your very first wash. Hair care needs from fine to normal to color to coarse, Wella's got you covered. Wella Professional Hair Care products are available at over 780 Ulta stores nationwide. Visit Ulta.com to find the store nearest you. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. 